in Colorado history, one of the earliest most sought-after mountain men leading wagon trains across and through mountain passes and gorges west was African-American James Beckworth. Many of the riders of the Pony Express mail service were African-Americans, and the legendary Buffalo soldiers were initially based at Fort Garland in southern Colorado near Alamosa. Greetings again, I'm Adam Morgan. There are a wealth of stories on the important role of African Americans in the settling of Colorado and the West. The initial cattle drovers who helped establish the Goodnight Loving Trail through West Texas to Denver were African American. The success of that trail led to the beginning of the National Western Stock Show. For additional insights on African Americans in the West as we salute Black History Month, we do share additional time with board member of the Black American West Museum and Heritage Center, Ms. Terry Gentry. One of the things that I hope to see before my time expires is that Black History Month expands to be part of American history. It's not it's not an isolated incident, and that's how it's treated. Black yeah. history is treated as an isolated incident, but it is, it's part and parcel to the building of this country. When, when you look at, at everything that happened to create this country, it was built on the backs of our, of our ancestors. So it needs to be part of the curriculum and part and parcel to everything that's ever discussed. And, and the most heartbreaking thing for me to see now is, is trying to push back with uh, creating fear with the critical race theory. And I wonder about what people are afraid. Are they afraid that their, their grandkids are going to find out that their ancestors were slaveholders or something? I don't understand that. When you look at the history of, Amer- of the Americas, North, Central, and South America, you need to yeah. look at the indigenous people that were already here and the people from all over the planet that became part of this American discussion. Yeah. Black folks, uh, the Latino folks, American Indian, the uh, Japanese and the Chinese and Jewish and all of these folks are part and parcel to this history. And, it, and I feel like that every piece of that is, is there's, there's this effort to create it as an isolated, separate event that doesn't have anything to do with. United States of America doesn't have anything to do with North America, has nothing to do with North Central or South America at all, or for the world for that matter. So someday, maybe we'll have equity and we'll see that everyone is, is, is part of the history of the world and part of the history of each area that we're discussing. There's, there's such a myriad of experiences and history and understanding and I don't think you can understand American history unless you understand the experiences of all those folks that I mentioned, and especially our ancestors and the the 400-plus years that we have had the history of this country on our backs. With the attacks also on books in school, trying to take them uh, off the shelves, and many of them have African-American themes, um, do you think this might uh, prevent visitations to cultural mu- museums for students' field trips coming up this year? Well, that certainly has created a challenge for every museum in the country because um, because of this this fear and this divisiveness that these 
suggestions are about our history. Yeah. And I think Colorado, you know, I know the discussion's on the table, but I hope that it doesn't interfere with that. I, I've been invited to talk to classes about our history and and making sure that I connect with the, the teachers so that they don't feel like there's going to be any problem with what I'm presenting. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like it's um, it's a personal attack, I feel like, on – on the things that my ancestors experienced, and I and I'm so I feel like I need to stand up and say that we need to change this rhetoric that we have been dealing with since 1619, since 1500, since 1470. We need to change this rhetoric. It continues to keep it. It continues to be recycled. Yeah. And and it's time. It's time for equity and it's time to understand the breadth and depth of every contribution and every history, every person that's ever walked the lands that mm-hmm. has ever been in existence. It's 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 our right to talk about that and share our ancestors. It's very, very critical. And the, and the children need to know about who they are and where they come from. That is for sure. What's the challenge now? It's the second challenge for you of maintaining a cultural organization and museum in a changing neighborhood where where you are. It's been tough. I've I've been confronted several times in the front hallway of the museum about what is our relevance. I've been asked that a number of times. And 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 what what are we doing here? And what is your relevance to the neighborhood? That is um, a tough one, trying to explain to folks why we're here and really? why we're there and to continue to explain about this history and, and understanding the neighborhood that we're in, the history of the neighborhood, the history of Colorado, the history of the Western United States, the history of America, the history of, of worldwide experiences. It's always, always an issue. You know, not everybody. There are a lot of people. There's a range of people that come in. A lot of people tell us that they're curious and fascinated. And we get a lot of folks that visit from France because they've heard about the Black Cowboys. They want to come check it out and learn more about it. But the unfortunate thing is that we have a lot of folks in the neighborhood that have come in and say, okay, what's the point? What are you here for? Why Why are you here? What's your relevance to the neighborhood? This year's Black History Month theme is health and wellness. And as you mentioned before, the museum is located in the former home of Dr. Justina Ford. Now, in addition to the African-American community, she served all persons who came to her. From what we understand, she served more than 37 different nationalities and knew in the range of 8 to 11 languages and dialects. Wow. She attended the delivery of more than 7,000 babies. In addition to taking care of their siblings and their parents, she was working all the time taking Mm. care of people. She was quoted to say she delivered a baby on average one every three days for 50 years. One every three days for 50 years? On average, yes. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. But And you go in and you talk to some of the families and you discover all of the things that she was doing to help not only bring that child into the world, but taking care of mom and the siblings and, and other things that she did for the family. So she was working all the time. The house that you are in. Did she uh, work in that house, too, and live upstairs, maybe work downstairs or someplace else? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. She 
had to work out of her home. She was granted her medical license in 1902, but denied membership to the Colorado Medical Society. And the membership was required to work in the hospital, so she set a practice in her home. And she was finally granted the membership in January 1950. 1950. But that still didn't guarantee her service in the hospitals even after she was granted that. Denver General Hospital granted her some access in the 1930s. I, I think sometimes it depends on who was sitting at the front desk as to whether or not they let her in the door. Yeah. And some of the birth certificates that we saw that she was at Denver General Hospital required that she sign as a midwife and they wouldn't allow her to sign as a physician. You know, I mean, I mean we had discrimination going on against African-Americans then. But were they also uh, not not admitting her, uh, allowing her to work, or giving her privileges to work, because she was a woman as well as 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 well? Yeah, the medical examiner told her she had two strikes against her. She was colored and she was female, and he hated to take her five dollars for her medical license. So yeah, she had two strikes against her, and she was the only black woman doctor. During her her tenure, we didn't have another black woman physician licensed until after she passed. Now we have Dr. Terry Richardson, who has uh, retired, and a few others now. Dandel Davis. Laid Mm -hmm. quite a groundwork then, and uh, Mm -hmm. for those who have now uh, followed her. Yeah, there's quite a few women. uh, Dr. Renee Cousins King, who's a pediatrician, she's retired now. But there are several, several women that have moved into that from from my generation that continue to fight for equity and to take care of their patients. And I think 1928 or someplace there, the NAACP had uh, a national conference here in Denver. And you wouldn't have thought they would have had one here that early, but they did. Is that one of the things uh, you have some artifacts from there in the museum it, it itself, or some recognition of that? Because I think it's the first African American, uh, the first NAACP convention held outside of New York City was in Denver. I'll have to check and see if we have any artifacts. I know that the Blair Caldwell Library has Dr. Clarence Holmes' papers. Yeah, and Dr. Clarence Holmes was. Uh, an active member of the NAACP at that time. So he Mm -hmm. was instrumental in having the conference here. And so they may have some, some documents and things from his records because they collected all of the the records that he had over his lifetime and everything that he participated in. So where do we go from here? Um, We still have people to talk about. Uh, It's probably a, a new direction to keep expanding and telling that story. The, process never ends. It's always someone to learn about and some area of the state to gather more documentation and information and tracking down the descendants of a lot of folks that contributed to the history of Colorado. So it's an ongoing, never-ending, heartwarming, heart-feeling process. It's got to be exciting when you find something new that no one knew was there. The noted poet Paul Lawrence Dunbar uh, worked in Denver for a while too. Yes, I had a they had a book club name for him that my grandmother was in. He died the year before. I think he died the same year she was born. And and there were there was a woman's group that had a book club named for him that she joined. When the museum reopens, uh, do you take volunteers? How can they find out more information? Going to the website now to check. Give us some contact. 
Yes, please. If folks are interested in volunteering for the museum, our website is www.bawmhc.org. And then we also have a VISTA volunteer, Ashley Scott, working in our office that's fielding calls. We don't want to inundate her because she's, we have filled up her plate beyond and she's just outstanding in all the things that she does. But sure. she'll take a call and pass it along to one of the board members as well. So either reach out to us via our website or give the museum a call and we'll follow up. But we are always looking for volunteers and donations and other spaces to conduct presentations and things like that because we want a lot of community support, but we also want to support the community as well. Now, your reenactors are still active as well? Yes. Uh, Miss Elise Clark is in charge of the reenactors, and they continue to do events around the state and showcase quite a few number of, of our historians, including Clara Brown and Barney yeah. Ford and and other uh, folks so, that are important to that history. So they recreate the personalities and maybe uh, talk about some of the times that were going on then and and everything. So being able to schedule them, their storytelling has got to be impressive. It is outstanding. It's just, it's incredible to listen to them and, and understand the context of their lives and what was happening at the time. It, it's outstanding. You'll, you'll enjoy every moment of it. It just just fills up your spirit to listen to them. For our recognition of Black History Month on this edition has been Miss Terry Gentry, board member of the Black American West Museum and Heritage Center. Many thanks to her again for sharing her time with us. You can experience their collection of artifacts and true insights regarding African Americans in the West online at BAWMHC.org. Or you can do it in person at the museum. It's located at 3091 California Street, directly across from the L-Line light rail station. Check their website for days and times open. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yourself and your family's health. Mask up and keep your distance when going out. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.